Previously on the Damage Guild podcast. Now, Tokus, I believe you had some business here, didn't you? My father made this armor, and it'd be weird to have someone that's not gnomish work on it. Do you see any gnomes here besides me? That's why we're gonna go find some. One shop in particular has some gnomish-style weapons and armor. Behind the counter, there is a dwarf. I I walk out. Oh, whoa, 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 hold on there, young lad. Welcome to my shop. I am Spaith Irontongue. I guess that settles it. My armor will never be repaired or fixed. I dare say I could give it a shot. I used to know the gnomes. They taught me some of their ways and I taught them some of mine. It's not because you're a dwarf that I don't want you touching my armor. It's because you're not a gnome. Perhaps it's time to let go of the gnome that you once were. What if you offer him the ore as materials? What do you make of this? And I show him the ore. Looks like decent material. That seems like a good deal to me. I've got a little errand here in town that I need to run. We'll meet back up later tonight. So, Aslo wanders off, and you never hear from him again. So, no! now we have the other two players. <laughs> no! He's gone from us forever! We've decided that Aslo died <laughs> while you guys weren't listening. Well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> I've been waiting a week to find out what happens and how this... Yeah, p- p- point to our listeners. We, Jay and I literally could not wait to hear what happened to Aslo. Yeah, I mean, come on. We need something here. We're, we're on the edge of our seats. So, Aslo, you wander off into the city, and do you want to say where you're headed? Yes, I uh, would like to look around. Uh, I don't know if there's, like, any kind of temple district or anything like that, but I want to try to find um, some sort of priestly or clerical uh, presence in the city. He's come to the light of and knowledge of Kavaki. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> uh, he was just too ashamed to say so to your face. <laughs> Some friendly dwarves point you in the direction of the Temple of Embestil, which is, you recall, the same deity that you had. I believe you visited their temple back in Nanept. That sounds right, yeah. He's the god of protection and strength. Okay, is that the only one? Well, he's kind of the main one for the dwarves. Okay, so I will um, mosey up to the temple, and uh, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, if the do- are the doors open? Uh, yeah, the doors are open, and much like its cousin temple, this one is also built like a fortress. Solid rock sheet walls, several feet thick, metal and stone doors, like it was dug into the stone mountain instead of built in here. Okay. I, I note to myself that if the city comes under attack, this is where I'm going to go. <laughs> and then I wander in and uh, look around for any clerical-looking people. Not clerical, like taking notes, like clericy, Cl- clergy, clergy, yeah, clergyman. You see a dwarf in a nice robe who looks kind of priestly. <laughs> Is it dragging along the ground? I don't know why they always make these human-sized. <laughs> <laughs> I'll approach and say, <clears throat> "Excuse me, uh, kind sir, would you happen to offer temple services for sale? Are they available?" Our temple has several services for sale. It depends on what you're looking for. I'm just looking for some uh, some services of the magical variety. If Asla spends all the party gold on absolution, <laughs> Stripey's going to be pissed. That's all I'm saying. Maybe he's going to give it away to charity. <laughs> yeah, Stripey'd be pissed about that, too. We have a few within our ranks who are capable of casting magics, but... 
depending on your needs, we may or may not be able to provide what you're looking for. Well, uh, it's a it's a bit of a maybe a bit of a private matter. Do you think I could uh, speak with one of your higher level uh, casters in private? Certainly, I will see you to the chambers of Rothtar the Blessed. Ah, very well. Right this way, if you would. Blessings of imbecile upon you. <laughs> imbecile. <laughs> oh yes, excuse imbecile. me. <laughs> okay, so he leads you down through the hallways and eventually to an office door. He knocks on the door, and you hear a gruff voice behind him say, "Come in." And so he opens the door and says. There's someone here to see you, Master. Let him in. I'll talk with him. And as you enter the room, you can see several tapestries and such decorating the walls, depicting various religious scenes of importance. It's got some nice gold and silver decorations, and basically just looks like a very nice, fancy, well-appointed room. Rothtar the Blessed is sitting behind a desk. He has a nice, thick beard, as most dwarves do well-combed, and he seems to be a little bit on the older side. His beard has gone white, and he has a pair of glasses, actually, which are pretty rare in this age. mm. As you come in, he motions for you to sit at a small, comfortable-looking chair across from him. Oh, good day to you, uh, Rothtar? Rothtar? Is that your name? Rothtar. Ah, yes. The blessed. Um, why, why is it that you're so blessed? I have been blessed with power from the gods. Oh, excellent. Well, that's exactly what I'm here to see you about today. I was wondering, and I um, I just kind of lean over and like quietly shut the door. I was wondering <laughs> if you would be able to help me out with discerning some information from afar? It is possible. What exactly are you hoping to learn? I don't know that I need too much detail, but there's a person that I would like to uh, check up on. Someone dear to me that I'd, I'd like to know that they are safe and well. Oh, you're trying to scry on someone? <laughs> the little bubble pops up in my head. Go away, Shava! <laughs> oh, I'm just saying, I have so many great episode titles involving the word scry. Oh my gosh. Oh, perfect. oh my gosh. Okay. I'm, I'm full That's of great. them. Yeah. It's going to be hard to choose one. Scry in shame. Scry me a river. (laughs) As I lay scrying. (laughs) Just keep going. That'll be the whole episode. (laughs) I may be able to find some small amount of information, but powerful spells are required for sure knowledge. I wish I could help you more, but I'm afraid as I am now, I cannot. But Rothtar... Surely you are blessed by the gods with magic powers, are you not? I believe the gods would answer my prayers if I were to ask whether this person were well or not, but I'm afraid there would be very little in the way of information and details. So there's no way to perhaps uh, see what they're doing and and see what their, their life is like? Few indeed there are with the power to see such visions at will. Most would scoff at a request to do so without an offer of compensation that would make it worth their time. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, However, there may be a way yet. Go on. You see, after High Emperor Altar vanished and the dwellers of the Dark emerged from their underworld, we dwarves were driven to the surface. We eventually fought them back into the darkness from whence they came, 
and have reclaimed some of our land, including this great city. Much of the old kingdom remains lost, under the control of those foul creatures or buried beyond collapsed tunnels and caverns. Should you truly wish to access this power for yourself and see the person that you seek, you will need to search the lost city of Ildrezar. Oh my gosh, a lost kingdom? What? This is so cool! Why is Shama not here right now? I'd be jumping up and down! (laughs) Shama pops up on my shoulder and he's like sitting there like shaking his fist at me. And then Stripey's in the devil costume on the other side. (laughs) The temple there is said to house a holy fountain through which a petitioner might peer to seek answers to their prayers. Wow. But, but this city is abandoned, you say? It was abandoned by the dwarves and is likely now inhabited by those foul denizens of the dark. So what you're telling me is that in order to see this person from a distance, I have to dig my way through collapsed tunnels, fight my way past Imba still knows how many denizens of the dark just to find a location that I'll be able to... How, how will I even know how to do this? I can't cast the spell myself. Won't I need somebody to help me? It is said that simply pouring holy water into the basin will allow one to see their, the answers they seek. Oh. <clears throat> into the basin of this fountain. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Of course, it may be possible to find this person through more mundane means, should you have the necessary contacts. Grisanth is a vast place, but surely you don't need to search the entire world. Uh, not that I know of. <laughs> um, I believe I know where this person is, but pray tell, th- the first service you described about uh, just checking in to see how <laughs> this person is doing in general, what sort of uh, donation would the church uh, suggest for such a service? We would likely be able to uh, discern their general health and little else. For such a service, you would have to return in the morning and pay a donation of 50 gold coins. Whoa! Hachi <laughs> machi. That's a, that's, a, that's a tidy sum oh. you're talking about there. We have many requests for our aid, and unfortunately we have only so many spellcasters within our ranks. I sit back in the chair and fold my arms and like glance around the room. So... You're telling me that you're, like, desperately in need of money? Is that what you're trying to say? Honestly, we would prefer something besides money, perhaps a service you could perform for us. Oh. Like, what kind of service would that be? We I'm have... really good at giving compliments. <laughs> <laughs> if you could perhaps find relics important to Embastille and bring them to us, such things would certainly sit well with our clergy, and you would have access to whatever we could provide. Are these specific relics you're looking for, or just, like, generally old stuff? (laughs) There are many that were lost in the wars, but again, you did not seem keen on going down into the underworld to uncover these things, so I don't see how you would be able to do such services for us. Which is why I went to the simple fee. Well, you certainly don't paint the underworld in the most inviting light, Um, (laughs) but uh, that might be something I'll have to consider. I can tell you the general location of Ildrazer should you wish to seek it out at some point. Uh, very well. Perhaps you'll mark it here on my map. And then it pulls up like a pause screen <laughs> with the scroll. Yeah, the scroll unrolled. And it pops up. You'll find the entrance to it, assuming that it has not collapsed in the meantime. 
up north in Bathinter, which is a country on the opposite side of Aravec, about a third the size of Ormog or so. So this person is kind of like a Facebook friend. You don't actually want to invest any time into your relationship. You just want to know things about them with minimal effort. I look down at you on my shoulder. <laughs> Listen, Shaba. This is none of your business, okay? <laughs> you're right, you're right. I'm sorry to pry. Do you have, like, little wings and, like, a halo? <laughs> Definitely. Yes, I do. And then I flick you off. Flick you off. <laughs> <laughs> flick you away from my shoulder, and then I turn and flick, uh, stripe you away from my shoulder. All right, and then I pop up on your shoulder, also dressed as a devil, and I say, Aslo, if he's asking for 50 gold, surely... There's a lot of money in that prayer box. My eyes go wide, and I stare at the guy. And I shake my head, huh, no, and I smack you away, too. No, no, I, I, I hold tight. I grab onto your shoulder. <laughs> Asshole, you know you want to. I pluck you up by, by your shirt and then throw you off. Um, Sir Rothtar, your priestliness, thank you so much for your time and your information and, well... I would say your help, but um, anyway, I bid you good day and adieu and farewell, and may um, imbastil always be uh, imbastilic upon you. Imbastil. <laughs> imbastil. Like I said. <laughs> I will certainly say a prayer on your behalf that you may find the one that you are seeking for. Many thanks to you. Have a, a good day, and I bid you safe travels. I bid you safe sitting at your desk and I get up and walk out of the room. <laughs> All right, well, given our current financial situation, 50 gold is still no small sum, so I will uh, exit the temple and start making my way back toward the inn. By financial situation, you mean oppressive poverty? <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least we're not as bad off as that miner. Listen, we're a startup company. We're just finding our feet. And uh, pretty soon, that 15% of yours, you'll be flowing oh, yeah. in the riches. Like 15? How do I get cut down to 15? <laughs> Whatever your percentage is. One of these days, our little fledgling company is going to flap its wings and get off the ground. Exactly. Isn't, it, isn't yours 30% split in two between you and Stripey? Yeah, well, Stripey gets like... 60% of my 30% or something like that. Yeah. I really don't see all that much of the spoils. Is he like a dragon? Does he like sit on his little mound of gold pieces? Yeah. Like perched on them? Definitely. Yeah, he even wears a suit of scales with little, two little mini wings on it. Oh, I just imagined Stripey like in a business suit when you said suit. <laughs> I mean, he does when he needs to, you know go into town and get stuff done. Actually, that makes sense, yeah, because he, he takes all your money. He's a, he's a very high-maintenance badger. Alright, so you leave the temple and head back to the inn? You find Tokus and I embroiled in an epic thumb war <laughs> when you return. Hey, guys, what's going on? Hold on, hold on. Not right now. <laughs> Contested strength checks. Shaba, this isn't fair. I can't even get my thumb anywhere near yours. You're winning, though. You're You're beating me. Oh, gosh, Tokus, again? That's the fifth time in a row. <laughs> I guess I don't know my own strength. Rematch, rematch. I fail to see how a gnome's thumb could even reach your thumb. 
because <laughs> Shaba is very accommodating to those who may be lesser in size. He's also very dainty, so he doesn't want to injure his <laughs> delicate thumbs. Is there something you didn't tell us? Like this whole time, your character has had very small hands, or my character <laughs> sweet, has very sweet, big hands, delicate digits, giant frame, <laughs> tiny hands. Yeah, I'm I'm salad fingers. I have big fingers, but they're just real skinny and slender. <laughs> I don't know. Thane said to make a uh, contested strength roll for the thumb war, so... Absolutely, I'll take that challenge. Thirteen. Yeah, I got a four. <laughs> <laughs> you win this time, Shabbat. Oh, so you right, just, like, I take me and just, like, you. throw me through the, cha- <laughs> like, the table. Got a little frustrated. All right, all right, enough of that nonsense. What have you two been up to while I was gone? This. Literally just this. We've been wasting our time. Were we betting money on it, Chaba? Yeah, and I slide the coins across the table to you. Yeah, but I just lost. I cheated, though. I slammed you through the table. <laughs> it's the only way I can win. Fair enough, fair enough. I appreciate your honesty, Chaba. You always were an honest giant. A gentle giant. I mean, it's it's a blessing and a curse, one might say. And I give you no inspiration. All right. I, it inspires me to ask, Azzo, where have you been? We've been not looking all over for you. Guys, it's fine. I'm safe. I'm back here at the inn with y'all, and uh, all is well. So, all is well that ends well. Azzo, I mean, you rarely go off on your own. What? What's up? What you up to? What you do, friend? Come on, you can tell me. Come on. I, uh, I put my arm around you and say, old buddy, old pal. It's just a just a little personal errand. That's all. So, how's the armor coming along? It's great. Uh, he's he's accommodating. Well, actually, why don't we go over there and check it out? All right, let's do that. Sweet. Before we leave the tavern, uh, I'll just sort of huddle Aslo and Tokus together and say, I didn't want to say this in front of uh, everybody around in the tavern, but I did do a little uh, digging into the cult. I didn't find out anything specific necessarily about them, but I found out that there's a chance they could be remnants of an old cult that worshipped the emperor after the collapse of the empire or and or they could they could be uh creatures from the underworld and tokus correct me if i'm wrong but you never actually knew the race of these cultists did you no they were all garbed in hoods and big pointy hats and weird masks i mean i I really couldn't make out i think that they were many different shapes and sizes though right but some were skinny and mm. some not so skinny and maybe needed to go on a diet like someone and i nudge i nudge aslo hey what's that <laughs> supposed to mean <laughs> nothing doesn't mean anything that's interesting that's weird i haven't i hadn't thought about that so these could actually be creatures from the underworld that have come up to somehow like reap their revenge but all the ones we've seen or that tokus has seen so far they've all been bipedal right yeah. For those of you uneducated uh, creatures of this world, uh, that means they walk on two legs. They're like people, right? Human, humanoid, yes, I believe humanoid, is, a, yeah. is a term that could describe that particular anatomy. Shaba, uh, you're so smart for, for having no <laughs> education whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how incredible. I do it. I, I guess I'm learning a lot from you guys. From I guess. Out with, I mean, you know, Tokus knows all his science and you've been to Bard's College, so I guess it's just rubbing off on me. So... <laughs> It's weird to think that these could be creatures from the underworld, but what's even weirder is they could actually be worshipping the emperor himself, or the memory of him, 
maybe they were really close and he was a good friend and they just, you know, wish he was back. Or they could be worshiping a dark god or a large creature like a dragon or something. So we need to dig more into this. And I think the only way to do that is really to get closer to the source, closer to the origin. So maybe if our travels bring us further south along the Tetrian Mountains, then we can try to do a little bit more um, investigation. Well, we have friends in high places, Shaba. Do not forget that community of folks at the library that did that research for us Ah, that we could have never found on our own. That's true. We do know two different things about them. They had some kind of like, maybe like a thumbprint or something on their forehead, but remember it was red, right? They had this red mark. I don't really know what it meant. Mm -hmm. And then they wore the weird beak masks. Yeah, they had like the, well, some of them did. Like the plague doctor masks. Some like you couldn't see their face. It was like the hood was kind of veiling the... They're wearing an Assassin's Creed hood. (laughs) Or yeah, like a Sith Lord hood. Yes, exactly. My young apprentice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's a good lead. We should ask Conan when we get back to Nanept. Conan the librarian? Yep. If he knows anything. That's him. (laughs) All right, anyway, enough of this. I just wanted to let you guys know what I had found out. We can move on with our day. You said you found this out by traveling around outside the city? I basically... No, I was walking around in the city and talked to a bunch of different people. Like, I spent all Uh. day just, like, randomly going up to people on the street. Most of them uh, ran away from me, but the few that did stay to talk (laughs) uh, told me a couple of important... those important things. Shaba, I'm so glad you did that research, but, you know, you walked up to these strangers and they might exaggerate or have no idea what's really going on with the cult. That's true. I mean, it could all be rumor and hearsay, but for what it's worth, we've gathered a little bit of uh, information and and we can use it to continue to narrow down our theories. Aslo, what's that saying? The best lie is a truth? Uh, I have never heard that saying before. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Or the best truth is a lie? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the other way around. The best lie is the truth. Maybe that's a gnomish saying? I'm pretty sure lies are lies and truth is the truth, but what do I know? I mean, I could be wrong. Then again, in your weird country where you come from, it could be the other way around. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, you know, Shaba, the, the fact that you mentioned, you said, so you said one of the people said that the cultists could be creatures from the underworld? Mm-hmm. That's so strange. Yeah. Perhaps your, your idea of coming back to, to this area or somewhere close by going down the, the mountain range or finding other places to get into the underworld, as you say, might be worth our time. Yeah, not this area, because this is like way far north in the mountain range. They're from the southern end of the Tetri Mountains. So we don't want to come back here because I didn't find anything conclusive because we're so far away from their origin. So we need to go, mm. we need to travel basically like way in the other direction. So let's, uh, let's go on about our day. So you head over to Spaeth's Armory. Spaeth. That's such a great name. I think I'm going to name my firstborn Spaeth. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. <laughs> Not really. Might have to talk that one over with wife, and then we might have to like have kids first. But anyway, moving right along. He's working on your chain shirt, inserting a bunch of little tiny ball bearings into it, and piecing everything together. He says, "Ah, welcome. Coming to check up on things, or did you just want to talk? Maybe a little bit of A, a little bit of column B." Just trying to check all the boxes. And column C, he just wanted to show off your excellent work to his bestest best friends in the whole wide world, which is us. Yeah, I mean, I know how the armor's coming. I've been kind of meticulously watching you do most of the work, so I just want to show them your your awesome awesomeness. 
Well, feel free to take a look around. I'll be here working. Yep, sounds good, buddy old pal. I run my fingers over the armor. I say, is this ready for a stress test yet? A Goliath-style stress test? Shaba, why are you getting your fingers all over my armor? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's fine. (laughs) It's just... Uh, the armor is not yet finished. You can see I've, I need to link all of these rings back together once I'm done here. Okay. Can you show him where the different devices hook in and wrap around? He goes off and like starts explaining all these little tiny intricate details of the armor. And he's like, here, if you look here, you see this part connects in here and it conforms to the skin this way because of this. And he, he's sounding a lot like the way that Tokus sometimes talks about his inventions. Yeah, I was just going to say, this is very interesting. It's almost as uh, engaging as when Tokus gives one of his half-hour lectures. <laughs> Yeah, you remind me of somebody from my town. Who were the artisans that worked with you? What were their names? I believe it was Jome, Lome, and Dome. Because all gnomes' names rhyme with gnome. Rhyme right? with gnome. Jome the gnome. Jome the gnome. <laughs> Jeroboam the gnome. I actually don't know off the top of my... Uh, this is a Sean comment, not a Tokus off comment. Off the top of your dome? Who are the gnomes? <laughs> well, Tokus knows many gnomes. <laughs> with domes, but uh, Sean does not know many gnome names. Like, the most gnome name naming was, like, when I was, like, doing all my backstory stuff, so... One might call it nomenclature. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was really good. <laughs> Zing! But yeah, like, names like Billmorn and Grenna and, you know, Murney, like, these are all gnome names, so they're kind of... Kind of halfling-ish, but not quite. Mm. My gnomish friends were Arlero, Cheya, and Entia. Arlero. That sounds so familiar. Ar- Arlero. What did he look like? Is he kind of like an older... He was a little bit on the older side. Wrinkles, gray. I mean, he was one of the older gnomes in the city. He was my son. <laughs> he was my son. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, uh, yeah, Arlerove and my father made the armor together. It's my father. He wasn't an armorer by trade, but it's ceremony. It's tradition for the father to have a hand in making the armor for the son. I never got to do that, actually. I mean, not that I should ever make a piece of armor. I mean, it would have way too many doohickeys and would never actually work. Well, you can't write it off yet. You're still young. Perhaps you'll have a son of your own someday. Yeah, but most of my race is genocided, so, I mean, the odds of finding <laughs> a woman that can deal with me is that's in my race is, like, very, very small percentage. I ran the numbers the other day. It's a very small percentage <laughs> that she's still living slash ever existed in the first place. <laughs> Tokus, who says she has to be of the same race as you? I mean, you can branch out. You can find a nice Goliath girl. Yeah, what do you want? Kids? There's plenty of fish in the sea. You want to further the gnomish race? I mean, why not just settle down with a, a Sahuagin? <laughs> <laughs> You'd like that, wouldn't you, Shaba? Because then you could come to my beach home and my amphibious children are, like, swimming in the swimming pool. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just have, like, a, a good time, grand old time at the beach. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. And I'd wave to my wife and she gurgles back at me. <laughs> That's right, dear. Keep swimming. Your fins are looking so nice today. I really don't know what she says at all. Like, I really can't understand her at all. There's a real so I have to make all barrier. the big decisions in the relationship. She hands you a trident and points to the ocean and says, go hunt us down some dinner. 
We really, really try to get better at swimming, but it doesn't, doesn't work very well. Yeah, our relationship operates on nothing but subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what were you saying about him? So he, he's dead now, right? This is all it took is a steady, like, sees into the future, and then he's like, oh. Right, back to the present. Yeah, that would be because you said Svog and wife. I think I'm totally fine being single, even without that visual you just gave me, Shaba. Very, very happily a single, single gnome. One of the last gnomes. Proud to be it. So you are single in every sense. Single-minded too. So, as far as I know, Arlero died when all of the other gnomes did. I obviously can't verify that myself. Yeah, maybe he did make it. I mean, I made it after all, and I mean, you guys know I'm nothing special. Took because you're special to me. What are you talking about? Oh, well, thanks, Shab. I appreciate that. But no, I mean, seriously, I mean, unlike you, where you have like this weird, rare backstory where you were like a king and then you're not a king anymore, and it's, like, mm. it's basically your backstory is basically the Lion King. I was thinking about it the other day because you're like cast out and then you plan to come back and retake your kingdom. <laughs> I mean, I have zero plans to retake my kingdom just just for the record. Well, Simba didn't plan to either. <laughs> That's yeah. true. He was very happy. He was living his best life out in the jungle. It's a real riches to rags story, mine. What made Simba want to go back to retake the kingdom after all? He was living in paradise. Was it Nala? He met, uh, yeah, he met Nala, I think. It was Nala. Yeah. It's always a woman, so there's going to be a lady giant in your future. Well, see, the thing is, like, <laughs> the, the dowager of our tribe is my mom, and the... Uh, chieftain's wife is my sister so that wouldn't work out very well for me what do you mean there there aren't oh as far as like the other wealthy prominent females in the tribe like if i wanted to go back and marry into my tribe it's already those spots are taken yeah i don't think nala and Mm. simba were brother and sister so no they they were most certainly not i'm so surprised we haven't had a hasawenya from aslo yet this point i've been like <laughs> keeping the lion king metaphor going <laughs> all right, now we can keep going all right well hope that armor comes along nicely and it's looking pretty good you guys want to check out the city before we have to leave let's do it right, why don't you lead the way aslo yeah sure you seem to know your way around these parts considering you slunk off alone very suspiciously and won't tell us what you did <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say that i know my way around i just I just walked around a little bit. So what what part of the city do you want to see? Is there like a forge? I feel like dwarves always have that like huge forge that's just unnecessarily huge. There's like a magma waterfall. <laughs> Come see the spectacular sights in Glass Rock. Enjoy our magma waterfall. Boat rides at half past the hour. <laughs> they send out a new boat ride every few hours and they never come back. Why. A three-hour tour. Except it lasts about three minutes, roughly. (laughs) It sinks. <laughs> and somehow the dwarves have not figured out that this is a terrible idea. No, it, it doesn't sink till they get around the bend. So you know, <laughs> they're not sure. They're just like, I don't know. No one comes back. Yeah, it's like one of those little funhouse rides where you get in the in the cart. It's a small dwarf after yeah, all. Except none of the dwarf like carts ever come back, so they just keep building new ones because they're dwarves and they're good at building stuff. <laughs> they did the wooden model for a while, and that those never returned. So then they changed to a, a metal version, and then people just like fried up inside of it they basically just got baked inside the, the boat and just, uh, gosh, it's horrible. sailed away into the- so that's what happened to all the tourists 
Glass Rock does not have any one gigantic massive forge with magma <laughs> flowing. Magma oh, man. Dang it. Or the boat ride. However, if you were to go into the lower sections of the city, you could probably find some lava or magma flowing along somewhere. Oh, I'd, I'd be interested in checking out what makes this place called Glass Rock. What about you guys? I mean, come on, let's go on a, let's go caverning, like a cavern tour. I thought the walls of the city were all clear, except their ancient dwarves frozen inside. Almost like a big <laughs> iceberg, but you can people can just go up and visit their ancestors. Because whenever you die, they don't bury you. They just freeze you in the glass rock walls. And so it's almost like being stuffed, like taxidermied. And they, like, put you in cool poses so that you can be there forever. Right, they put you in your armor and you have your weapon. Yeah, yeah. You're just, Looking like, posing fierce. for eternity. <laughs> yeah. Or in the middle of, like, a perfect golf swing. Right, right. Yeah, make sure you die, like, looking really cool because they'll freeze you. Because <laughs> they're going to put you in a huge glass wall so all your ancestors can check you out forever. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, you heard wrong. Oh man. <laughs> Dang it. We have come to eat rations and slay monsters, and we are all out of rations. The Damage Guild Podcast. Dear listener, or listeners, if you're into that sort of thing, the brilliant minds at the DGP, that stands for the Damage Guild Podcast, are working hard, discovering new and innovative ways to get you to help us out. And you know what? Just like those cringy commercials you see on television that are effective at getting people to buy fast food, tacos, change their life insurance, or ask for Captain Morgan and Coke instead of just saying, hey, put some rum in it. It's because that stuff works. Don't deny it. Just embrace the fact that our minds are like mush, easily manipulated. And on that subject, please check out our Champions of the Multiverse Sister Project, another D&D campaign that we live stream on Twitch.tv. You can find that at www.twitch.tv slash Damage Guild. Also, the Twitch icon on our main webpage, thedamageguild.com. You can find it there. And if you can't watch it live because you actually have a life and adult responsibilities, that's cool. You still have no excuse for missing it since we put the recordings up on our YouTube page. And that YouTube page can also be found by clicking the YouTube icon on our main page. See? That wasn't so bad. And now you're 23.66 repeating, more likely to do what we just asked of you. So I'll hail the Hypnotoad. Goodbye. You are listening to the Damage Guild Podcast. So eventually you find your way down to the magma flow. Heck yeah. Let's build a boat. <laughs> we could do like a log flume. Yeah. Ooh, that would be fun. I like it. The stone around here is all various types of volcanic glass type stones. So there's some obsidian. You know, it's very shiny and smooth and looks kind of dangerous to walk on because you might slip and fall into the lava. Mm. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Stripey starts chittering, and so I lean down and put my hand. I'm like, what's that, little buddy? And I'm like, ah. <laughs> That's good. But I, I doubt he'll go for it. And Stripey chitters and says something else. I'm like, well, I mean, couldn't hurt to ask, right? And then I turn to Tokus and I say, Stripey says he'll bet you 20 gold pieces you won't go over and touch the magma. (laughs) Oh, wow. 20 gold pieces. Uh, What do I have to touch the magma with? Your finger. (laughs) 
Hmm. All right. Well, first I'll work on a finger regrowth potion, and then uh, I'll consider it. <laughs> told you. Told you, Eileen. It's just stripey. Told you you wouldn't go for it. <laughs> I don't know. Tokus sounds like a challenge to me. You know, I'm, I'm no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little tempted for a moment. I mean, twenty gold pieces would get me closer to my goal of getting that diamond. Uh, Can we just like steal one? I mean, we were so close. You know, the other day, weren't we going to steal from somebody else at some point? I feel like that comes up way too often in the podcast. We do consider stealing pretty often. And then think better of it. It's like when you're playing Morrowind and you duck down and then you, like, check out what that NPC has on their person, (laughs) even though you don't plan to steal it. You just want to know what's there. (laughs) But we've never actually committed the act of stealing. We just like checking people's stuff out. Exactly. It's so sad. Like, when you get older and you're at work and you're in a cubicle of emotion and you realize I can't actually play that many games anymore. So like you look up game reviews of games you used to love and like dream about the old days. Yeah, I'm 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 reminiscing nostalgia. So you get that nostalgia. It's a sad state of adulting. It's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we check out the lava caves? We're only gonna be here once. There's gotta be something cool in these caves. Lava tubes, there's probably slide. We can probably slide down them. Okay, you just pick a random tunnel and walk in. I pick a tunnel that looks like you can slide down it. <laughs> I could do a tunnel check. Yeah, do a tunnel check, and I make a slide, but not into the lava check. <laughs> what skill would this be? It's not a cave check. This is a it's a tunnel check. It's distinct. It's a check. There's a distinct difference. Survival? Yeah, survival. I got a 17 on my survival check. Well, if mine's a survival check, it's a 6. Well, between the two of you, you are pretty sure that you've located a couple of tunnels that are still in active use. Looks like you could pretty easily slide down, but you're not sure if you could come back out or not. Mm. Okay, so I get out our Lavix lengthy line there and I go. tie it around Stripey. Perfect. Alright, Stripey. Alright, little buddy. Have fun. I chuck him down the tube. Well, wait, shouldn't you give him like a <laughs> command or something first? Probably <laughs> <laughs> just throw him. <laughs> no, he's no I mean, he's tied to the <laughs> rope. <laughs> We're not going to let him go that far. Yeah, but we don't know if there's, like, lava down there. Like, what if, like, the end of the rope gets really hot and Stripey, like, starts squealing? Do we feel heat coming up from the tube, or is it dormant? Uh, make a perception check. 21. You think that it has gotten a little bit cooler rather than getting hotter as you've gone down the tunnel? All right. Um, we'll let Stripey have fun on the slide and not let him go, like, too far out of where, where we can see him. <laughs> you tie Stripey up and throw him in the pit. No, we, I slide him like a bowling ball because he wants that. He he longs for it. Quick, go find little Timmy, Stripey. He's been bugging me about this ever since we got here. So he starts sliding down the tunnel. Does he ch- chitter and joy? Yeah, he totally does. <laughs> you do notice, actually, whoever's holding the rope... The speed of his descent is constrained slightly by the speed of the rope coming out of the bag. Mm. It's not just a free fall. Okay. Oh, interesting. Hmm. How far are you letting him go down? To as far as we can see. I was going to let him go as far as the rope. Actually, I was just going to let go of the bag. Really, Shabby, you should hold this, because I'm very tempted to let go of the bag. Yeah, that's why we don't want Tokus holding the bag. I, I'm just, like, realizing that I'm missing the opportunity to let Stripey go forever. So I, I reluctantly hand the bag to Shabba. Okay, hold on. Can we can we haul him back up for a second? Uh, yeah, after he goes for one ride, I pull him back up, and he's like, Again, again, in Badger language. <laughs> okay, uh, I touch him and cast light on him. So All right. Sick. So we can send him down and see farther. All right, I bowl him in again. 
Except this time we keep the rope, you know, sort of unwound so he can go faster. <laughs> I was going pretty fast before, just not quite as fast as he would have otherwise. No, we want maximum Breakneck speed. Breakneck speed. Yeah. Stripey is a bit of a daredevil, if you haven't noticed. Here, I, I quickly whip up a little helmet for him and put it yes. on his head. Just for safety. And it has, like, spikes Finally. on it. Finally. Dude, I asked you to blueprint these up, like, months ago, Tokus. Yeah, well, it, hey, so that's what I take out of my bag, the finished oh, prototype. yeah. And we slap it on Stripey. Nice. A little, like, chin strap All right. so it stays on him. Some spikes. <laughs> Can it be a mohawk of spikes? Can we do yeah, that? Yeah, oh, of course. That's yes. what I envisioned, that it was a <laughs> mohawk oh, yes. of spikes. This is my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> we chuck him down. He probably goes out to about 100 feet before it kind of levels out somewhat. Ooh. And he starts walking around the area. Man, I'm so jealous. I really want to go. That was really clever, Aslo. That's one bright badger. <laughs> Before sending him off, did you give him a command or anything? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, ask him if he sees any treasure. How about you make an investigation check for him? Uh, that is that is a negative three. <laughs> <laughs> How is that even possible? I rolled a one, and Stripey's intelligence is a two, which it conveys <laughs> negative four to the roll. How does Stripey manage to outsmart me, then? I don't know if I've ever, in the history of playing this game, seen anyone roll a total of negative three on anything. Yeah, that's the lowest roll I think I've ever witnessed in a D&D game. We gotta call up Guinness. That's gotta be a record. I think that's the lowest possible roll, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it is, actually. Yeah, yeah. Guinness. Guinness, let's get him on the horn. It's time. I guess at a minus, at a one, you'd have a minus five, but... Hmm. All right, so he looks around the area and doesn't seem to be finding anything. (laughs) We haul him back up and give him one more chuck down for good measure. And then once he's had his fun, we uh, pack everything up and go back to town. On your way back, you see a couple of dwarves coming out of one of the tunnels, wearing mining gear, carrying sacks over their shoulders. Shouldn't we say hello, Aslo? I don't speak dwarvish, do you? No, I don't, as a matter of fact. But perhaps they speak common. Hail, and well met. Strangers of the deep? (laughs) (laughs) And good evening to you, Sir Halfling. (laughs) Why you gotta bring race into it, huh? And Sir One and a Halfling? (laughs) Hey! Hey! Hey now. Uh, I see that you were just doing some mining over there. What what type of stuff were you mining? Hi-ho, hi-ho. If you catch my drift... (laughs) <laughs> Shaba, they take that as a derogatory <laughs> phrase Speaking of being racist, gosh yeah. um, You wouldn't have happened to be harvesting any diamonds, would you? Well, you do find some from time to time oh. Can't say we have any in today's haul Just so happens we're in the market to steal a good diamond yeah. It doesn't even have to be a really good diamond In fact, you could sell us one of your like really like Just not a very good looking diamond It's just the cut and the, the luster is just all wrong You want an uncut flawed diamond. Yeah. Something that, you know, some guy like me could, oh, I don't know, cast some spells with. Yeah, we're talking about real low on the four C's scale. Color, cut, clarity, and carrot weight. We need all just super, super low. Except maybe the carrot weight. Maybe we can have, like, a big one that sucks otherwise. But still able to be the component for chromatic orb, of course. (laughs) Since you have proficiency with the jeweler's kit... I see no reason why you couldn't buy a cheaper diamond and cut it yourself to increase the value. Oh, cutting the diamond would increase the value, wouldn't it? 
Oh, okay, so it doesn't have to be a 50 gold diamond at the beginning. Just I have to turn it into... We have to get it appraised, and then I can cast the spell all of a sudden. Because that's how D&D works. <laughs> yeah. Get reappraised. You grew up in a gem cutter's town. You should be able to fashion that thing into a right proper diamond. It is kind of a crime that I haven't been able to procure the diamond for a spell that I picked for my character because I'm an idiot and I didn't understand how. Well, luckily, <laughs> gem cutting is in your wheelhouse. It's in my blood, actually. Yeah, you can get a fixer-upper mm. diamond and put a little sweat equity into it. And make yourself something nice. Yeah, let's go to the pawn shop for diamonds in this joint. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I was thinking we just go to the site where they're mining diamonds from and just find one. But he said it only happens occasionally. Also, we don't know who owns these mines, the rights to mine these mines. Why don't we ask the dwarves that? Yeah, who owns these mines, by the way, just out of curiosity? The king. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Good thing we didn't go in there. And my, I, I thought about taking a pick. Yeah, we do not want to extend our stay in Glass Rock. As lovely <laughs> of a city as it is, we're only here for another day. Mm-hmm. Instead of eternity? <laughs> right. We would love to be immortalized in your wall of clear death, but we've got to be going. It doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you know about, like, diamonds more my price range? She's a very special girl. If you're looking for cheap trinkets and stones of that nature, I could lead you to a small shop I know. It's kind of geared towards children or younger dwarves who can't afford the fancier things. They have kids' diamonds there. (laughs) (laughs) That will do nicely. Dwarves love playing with rocks at any age. Aslo, how are we going to afford this? I really don't have much money right now. Well, hopefully if it's really crappy... It'll only be like 10 gold, and then you can refine it to make it worth 50. I don't know if that's how it works. (laughs) As low. (laughs) There's only one way to find out. You can trick magic by making it look better than it actually is. (laughs) Well, right, we just have to get it appraised. Yeah, all you have to do is get it appraised by a a nearsighted dwarf gem expert, and then magic will be tricked into thinking it's worth more than it is. Wow. Shaba, you're so knowledgeable about magic. I had no idea that's how this worked. I still don't think that's how it works, Shaba, but I like the way you're thinking. So you don't have uh, 50 gold to buy a diamond with? Uh, no. So I have four gold pieces, two silver, and seven copper. <laughs> so even if we found one that was worth 10 gold and we tried to shine it up to get it up to 50, you still wouldn't even be able to afford that? I would have to dip into party gold. Yeah, and I'm, I'm good for it. You know that. <laughs> You're only as good as the company that you work for. <laughs> Which in this case is awesome. So you might be pretty good. What if we had some sort of narrative that was like, I'm this poor gnome and, and I have this love and, and and I need a diamond, an engagement diamond worth 50 gold pieces so that I can, <laughs> I can make it. So you want to pull off a grift in order to get a discount on a diamond that you're using for magic. Yeah, but, but but Aslo would need to do it, because one, I don't know if Tokus is that sleazy slash, two, you're the more charismatic character. Mm. Now, see, I do have 55 gold pieces, but only 22 of them are mine, because the other 33 are Stripey's, of course. Uh, Stripey would never give me a loan. No, he would not. I mean, he would, he would, but he would charge you an exorbitant interest rate. <laughs> yeah. What kind of rate are we talking here, exactly? Like 50% per day. Whoa! Man! Is that compounding daily? Yeah, he drives a hard bargain. Holy smokes! When was the last time he actually got somebody to sign up for one of his loans? Oh, man, you wouldn't believe. Out in the forest, this one time, 
There was a sparrow. Let me tell you, it was a bad situation. Mm, well, sparrows do like the shiny things. Stripey had to break both his legs to get his, <laughs> his money back. <laughs> Uh, and both of his wings. Stripey's like this crime boss. Yeah. <laughs> Woodland crime boss. We don't know what he does. Woodland in the night. crime kingpin. Woodland mob leader. Yeah. He like scurries off every night to like go shake down all of his it, gang members. He does. Uh. Should I make checks for him under the running a business section of the downtime activity? <laughs> yeah. yeah he absolutely. Yeah, he comes back in the morning all like scarred up and stuff. <laughs> Had a bit of a rough night on the job. No, he has other woodland creatures to do the dirty work for him. Oh, yeah. He's like the godfather at this point. Yeah. If you keep locking up 60% of your funds in, under Stripey's name, that's just gone forever, pretty much, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> he he goes through a lot. A lot of gold. I don't I have no idea what he spends it on, but he goes through it pretty quick. <laughs> All right. Let's go shopping at this pawn shop and see what kind of prices we can get. And then maybe we'll figure something out. Maybe it could cast like a lesser chromatic orb, like a really crappy chromatic orb. <laughs> it just like kind of like, like chromatic marble. <laughs> marble. I think Stripey would be willing to finance your diamond as long as whenever you cast chromatic orb, you always cast it on me. What? <laughs> Shaba, chromatic orb is an attack. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's check out this pawn shop. Not so much a pawn shop. It's kind of a novelty and cheap jewelry shop. Ooh, do they have a clearance section? I check out the clearance section if there is one. <laughs> well, have your clearance diamonds, please. Uh, no clearance, but... Do you have any coupons? How about, Tokus, you give me an uh, intelligence check with proficiency for your gem-cutting knowledge? 22. Mm. So you look around the shop and you notice in one section they have groups of geodes and similar rocks and such. And one of those seems to have a diamond in it that is completely uncut and still part of the rock. Do they what? It doesn't look like it's very valuable or fancy, which is why it was still left here as kind of an interesting piece. And it looks like you could probably cut it out and shine it up to be worth what you need. <gasps> what? Mm. Really? Price listed on it is 24 gold. Wow. That's a steal. So I ask Aslo to steal it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just begging to be stolen. I could go broke for this, I guess. Just think of all the chromatic orbs you'll cast. I'll cast at least one. <laughs> Every adventure. <laughs> yeah, okay. So if I give you all the money that I have, Aslo, and then I can just write a note that I owe the extra amount. Yeah, so you said you have four gold? Four gold, two silver, seven copper. Okay. Uh, why don't you give me the, uh, the four gold, and I'll go try to haggle with him. Okay. <laughs> I'm at zero. I hand it over to you reluctantly. And then uh, I'll basically just take the whatever I spend on it, I'll take that out of your pay once we get back to Nanept. Deal. All right. So I will approach the shopkeeper with the geode and the diamond. Oh, uh, you looking to buy that? Uh, yes, I am. I'm, I'm curious uh, to know. Uh, pray tell, what's your name? My name is Tandrick. And you are? Tandrick, that's a fine name. Uh, you may call me Haslo Tendertoe at your service. He laughs when you say you're Tendertoe. 
So how long have you been running this uh, this here shop there, Tandrick? Probably a good 75 years or so. <laughs> wow, that's, uh, that's a long time. Is this a uh, family-owned business? I picked it up after my father left it to me. Oh, very good. What was your father's name, by the way? It was Tangelo. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Uh, never mind, I was getting distracted. Um... Listen, I was just observing this uh, this little rock here, this this pebble, and I was just wondering. I mean, I was wondering if it was um, mismarked. I wonder if the price was written down incorrectly. It has twenty four on it, but I assume that was two gold, four silver. Is that right? He looks at it for a second. And says, oh no, no, there's some diamond in that. That's valuable. Oh, this you you call this is a diamond? This looks just like a like one of those quartz things. You know, quartz, right? Of course I know quartz. <laughs> of course you do? <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> what kind of question is that? Any dwarf worth his steel knows rocks like that. Yes, well, it, it doesn't scream diamond, you know? It's just sort of like a, a rock with a little bit of clear, uh, glassy kind of stuff in the middle. So what do you say we bring this price down to more like 15 gold? I don't usually do much haggling in this shop. I mean, we've already got everything fairly cheap, I think. Have I mentioned how handsome you're looking today? Uh, that's quite <laughs> quite a fine beard you've got. Oh, thank you. Are those custom braids that you've done? He starts fiddling with his braids and has like a little bow tied around one of them. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> I spend quite some time on my beard every morning. I, l- I cast a glance over my shoulder. Rather her suit, if I do say. So myself. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't just lower my prices. I do have to buy new wares and feed myself and my family in the process. You're not a very stereotypical dwarf, are you? Dwarf who doesn't like to haggle? <laughs> well, I'd always haggle if it means I get lower prices, but I don't like people coming into my shop and getting my prices down. <laughs> oh, so you only haggle on the buying end. <laughs> um... I say, have we been talking for about a minute or so? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, hang on a second. I'm going to waltz up there and say, give me that. And I, I pluck it out of Aslo's hand and I say, I wouldn't pay more than 12 gold for this. Well, I wouldn't pay more than 10 gold for this. Well, neither of you would get it. <laughs> <laughs> Aslo, my plan's not working very well. Your plan is to drive down the price by increasing demand? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do a, let's have a basic economics lesson and Shabba spends half an hour explaining to Tokus how basic economics works. <laughs> uh. So, having spoken with him for some time, I would like to make a persuasion check. Okay, using your diplomat ability? Yes, contested by his insight. Is that like a requirement? You have to be talking with him for a certain amount of time? Yeah, you have to talk for at least a minute. Oh, that makes so much sense now. Like, this whole podcast makes so much sense now. I'm always, like, frustrated with you that you don't go into using your ability for, like, until the end of the conversation. Now I understand mechanically why. <laughs> yeah, yeah might have forgotten to leave that detail out. So I got a 24. All right, I got a 15. Okay. So, according to this, he's uh, charmed by me. But, of course, I'm not trying to rob the guy. I just want to suggest that perhaps... This stone and this diamond are really not worth as much as he has surmised. 
I mean, you'd have to, like, work it to make it worth anything. Like, you'd have to put a lot of elbow grease into that and pull it out of the muck. That's true. I mean, and because it's flawed, no one wanted to put in that time and work to shine up what's not such a great-looking gemstone anyway. I suppose I could let it go for 20. Hmm... All right, 18. That sounds good. So I'll, uh, I'll give you 16 gold, and then uh, you'll have 14 gold, and we'll, uh, we'll call it a day. Why is the amount of gold that I have from you changing as you give it to me? I really can't afford to go any lower than that. I'm sorry. But aren't you charmed? Or isn't the character charmed? His eyes just turn into the little spirals, and he's like, yes. 12 gold will do nicely. Charmed doesn't turn you into a zombie. It just means okay. that you view the person as a friend. Right, mm. right. So you got to give him the friend's discount. Like, <laughs> what do your friends pay for something like this? Clearly, you wouldn't sell your friend a fixer-upper. Well, four gold coins is a pretty significant discount. You know what? I think, I think that'll do. And I hand him uh, the 20 gold. Thank you for your business. I hope you find some use for that. Or just enjoy it as a decoration, whatever you might intend to do with it? Yes, I certainly will. If I were you, I would throw it directly in the garbage, because it's <laughs> definitely not worth anything. <laughs> yeah, as soon as he sells it to me, he's like, yeah, that was a piece of junk. <laughs> right. That thing wasn't worth three gold. I don't know why he bought it so high. I almost hand it to Tokus, but then I take it back, and then I wait until we're outside of the store, and then I hand it to Tokus. Oh, all right, so I would say if you spend, like, the next week, maybe your whole trip back working on that during your off time, then you could probably fix it up into a usable diamond. Take some exhaustion to work through the night on the yeah. diamond. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, just, like, spend your time around the campfire cutting it and making it nice. Yeah, this would be cool. We haven't seen Tokus do any sort of gem cutting, really. So you now have a diamond. Congratulations. All right. Of sorts. I have a clump that has a diamond in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's like when you buy your kids those do-it-yourself kits. You give them homework, basically. That's what you just handed me, but I'm very thankful. If you spend the next week spending your whole night by the campfire, then it will only take you 80 more weeks to get a diamond out of that rock. <laughs> All right, we go and find Elbert, and we just stand in front of her and wait to leave, even though we're not leaving until tomorrow. All right, well, by the time you get back to the inn, it's already pretty late, uh, or at least you think so, because everyone's asleep. All right. You're not really used to this whole being underground all the time thing. Yeah. We join them, and then we join them upon waking. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, Tokus, you head over to Spaith's shop to pick up the hopefully completed armor. And when you arrive, you see the dwarf hunched over his workbench. He glances up at the sound of your footsteps and calls out when he recognizes you. Ah, Tokus, just the gnome I was hoping to see. He sets down his tools and stands up, walking towards you with his arm extended. Uh, I stand on my tippy toes and give him a nice, firm, gnomish handshake. Is it finished? It's done, isn't it? Finished it up last night. It took a little longer than I'd thought to put on the finishing touches, but, well, just take a look. It's right this way if you'll follow me. Absolutely. Well, let's see it. He leads you into the back room, filled with various pieces of armor, weapons, tools, and gnomish-style gadgets, most of them either unfinished or needing repairs. Then, hanging on an armor stand near the wall, you spot your own armor. The male links have been completely repaired, to the point that you're not quite sure where the damage was in the first place. 
It also looks like Spaeth has added several additional small metal plates to reinforce the more vulnerable areas, making the armor look like a strange cross between mail and scale. On the left sleeve near the wrist, you notice a series of small hooks and leather straps. It looks like they would be able to better secure your violopult to your arm and prevent it from shaking loose or twisting out of position. Spaeth looks over at you as you're examining the armor. He would be looking over to a gnome in tears. It's beautiful! I guess since the other guys aren't here, I don't have to hide these tears. And, and tears come streaming out of, out of Tokus's face. So, so happy to see his father's armor uh, restored, reforged. You thought of everything. Well, I did my best. Spaeth rests his hand on your back, gives you a couple of pats. Normally, work like this would cost a small fortune, but for a Rathgant Hills gnome, and quite possibly the last one at that, I couldn't settle for merely adequate. I wanted to make my old friends proud. Well, that's perfect, because I was about to say, how can I ever repay you, but I've already paid you. Thank, thanks so much, Spaeth. Don't mention it. Now, don't go busting up my armor anytime soon, but uh, if you're ever in need of some more repairs, feel free to stop by for a visit. Or even just to hop in for a chat. And he takes the armor off of its stand and hands it over towards you. It feels uh, heavier than before. All of those reinforcements do come at a slight cost. I guess I'll go ahead and don the armor. He holds it over you and you slide into your new armor. Yes. Tokus ah. kind of admires the dwarvish furnishings and is already trying to attach the vial pole to the new sockets. Feels like it fits you at least as well as it did before. Perfect fitted armor. Nothing like it. Never thought I'd let somebody other than a gnome touch this armor, but I'm glad I met you, Spaeth. Probably my favorite and only dwarf that I like besides Greth, but between you and me, don't really like my current dwarf boss. She's kind of, uh, well, I actually think she might be a man, but <laughs> that's unconfirmed. We can't really, really know for sure. That's a frequent mistake amongst non-dwarves. Well, I'm glad that you don't take any offense to that whatsoever. You seem very unscathed. Tokus reaches out, fully clad in armor, for, for a handshake. So Spaeth grasps your hand, holds it up with his other hand as well, and then gives you a nice, firm, strong handshake as you kind of wobble back and forth and almost get lifted off your feet. Oh, the room's shaking. It was an honor to work on gnomish armor once again. Take good care of it. I bid you farewell, and may we meet again. But hopefully I'll see you soon, friend, and, and Tokus kind of toddles out of the out of the room. So you head back to the inn that you were staying at and meet up with your companions before they head out to the caravan. And you can see that all of your cargo has been replaced with other cargo. Hmm. Very well. Funny how that happened. Elbert says, oh, you've found your way back. Believe it or not. Yeah, here we yeah, are. Yeah, we, we intend to finish the job we started, as per Sapphire Saber regulation. Right, well, let's set off. So, yes, you depart from Glass Rock across the gigantic bridge, and... The faces of the fallen dwarves look up at us from the glass surface <laughs> of the bridge. No. <laughs> <laughs> the statues of the dwarves on the bridge seem to... Some of them seem to be eyeing you as you pass by. Mm. There's what? uncanny realism in their faces. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you. Get back here. <laughs> <laughs> the trapped souls of dead dwarves encapsulated <laughs> within them. <laughs> Nope, nope, still not that either. <laughs> no, nope. they're just like dipped in the magma and they're just like little crispy dwarves. <laughs> Dwarf crisps! <laughs> Made by Keebler. 
<laughs> the Keebler elves are like the nemesis of this story, actually. <laughs> like they're like the ones in the background pulling all the strings, yeah, yeah. The just masters. trying to manipulate the world. We did already run into the elves earlier, and they obviously don't like the dwarves. We have like the best villains: Bill Cosby and the Keebler elves. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I definitely think Dwarf Crisps should be a new cereal. They've got kind of a burny flavor. <laughs> I don't know why. Shut up, kid. <laughs> Eat your cereal. It's healthy for you. Just douse it in milk, you won't notice. <laughs>